Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Terrence Wilson, lead pastor of Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. How many of y'all been enjoying this series called Close? It's about close encounters with Jesus. You can't, you can't encounter Jesus in your life ever be the same. Jesus, man, when you have close encounters with him, when you see him up close and personal for who he really is, your life must change. You cannot have an encounter with him and be the same. We've been talking about people in the Bible that have had close encounters um, with him. And um, I started uh, talking about Mary and Martha. Um, and you said there's something about Mary. Um, but today I want to end this series um, with somebody that was closely related to Mary and Martha. I want to talk about Lazarus and his close encounter uh, with Jesus. And if you want to give, well, I'll tell you the title after I read the verse. I want you to turn to John chapter 11. John 11 verses 1 through 6. And then put your finger on uh, verses 14 and 15 as well. So we're going to read verses 1 to 6 of John 11. And we're going to jump down to verses 14 and 15. We're just going to kind of stay in John 11 and a little bit of 12 today. But you'll see what I'm talking about when I get there uh, in the service. If you have uh, your cell phone, who who actually has an, an actual Bible? Who still brings those to church? Praise God for you. Can't cast out a demon with a cell phone. If your battery dies, you're done. In the name of Jesus, let me go get a phone, a phone charger. That doesn't work well. But you got one of these, you're always okay. Even better is if you hide the word in your heart so that you do not sin against God. Amen? But you can also use your cell phone. I'm not mad at you. Who has the Cool Church app? Awesome. Over 2,000 people are on the app now. It's really awesome. That's where you get everything you can give. You can check out your notes. It's really great. Uh, download it because all the notes that I'm going to go from today or on there. It's a little fill in the blanks for you. Makes life easy. Or if you're old school, pull out that table that's right there attached to your chair and you can write right there. That's the fun part of being in a school auditorium. Um, John 11, hope you're following me online today. Verses 1 through 6 and 14 and 15 read. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Could you imagine if Mary, like, lived today? Like, that whole thing about her wiping the feet with the hair would look totally different, different wouldn't it? See, I would imagine that Mary had to, like, get down and wipe it. Now you can just pull it off. Y'all ain't saved for laughing at that. Y'all ain't saved. Like, why'd I mess up such a serious moment? Y'all was like, where is he going with this? Jesus, I got it. Mm. Take me back to spiritual, man. Take me back. Take me back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh, that's... And scene. Okay. So the sisters, verse 3... <laughs> sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. It's a good place to say amen. No, 
I love this. Underline this. It is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Verse 14 and 15, underline this. She told him plainly, this is Martha, Lazarus is dead. Excuse me, this is Jesus telling the disciples, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, my goodness, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Like Jesus would have got canceled so fast in 2022. He died good. I'm glad I wasn't there. He told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, as he was talking to the disciples, I am glad I was not there. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. Amen. If you're taking notes on this message, I've entitled it this. It is not possible. It's necessary. It's not possible. It's necessary. I'm going to say that one more time because some people are already getting it and I ain't even preached a word yet. It's not possible. It's necessary. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day, for this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad. And God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. God, less of me, more of you. God, I know that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be in this place today. And God, I pray that you open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. God, I pray that somebody understands him in a fresh new way. God, I pray that you would get close to them so that they can get close to you. God, I pray this for the person. Feels like giving up. Feels like it's all over. Let them know you're the God that can bring anything back to life. God, I pray for the person that needs Jesus today, now more than ever. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, give Jesus a shout of praise. not possible no it's necessary um any movie buffs out there people like movies like me I love movies um favorite movie of all time somebody shout it out what's your favorite movie of, best movie of all time training day wow King Kong wow that's a good movie <laughs> My favorite movie of all time is Interstellar. Somebody's like, what? I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. Interstellar. Some of y'all can't make it all the way through Interstellar. Interstellar. It's like three hours. It's my favorite movie of all time. I, lo I love this movie. I, I have this movie on DVD. I, I just, it's one of those movies I could even just have on in the background. Like when there's nothing else on, I'm like, oh, well, it looks like I watch Interstellar. I love Interstellar. This movie is starring Matthew McConaughey. Has anybody ever seen Interstellar? Just raise your hand if you've ever seen it. Okay, if you haven't seen it, it came out in 2014. So I'm going to give you a spoiler alert right now. 
because I'm going to tell you a part of the movie, and they'll be like, you spoiled it for me. I ain't seen it. You had since 2014 <laughs> to see this movie. So if you have not seen it by now, it's on you. I love this movie, man. I, I love this movie because uh, I, I finally, I, me, me and Vava actually watched it for the first time together. I, I, took, I took a long time to watch it with her because like, I thought that she wouldn't be able to understand it at such a young age. Like, you can't show a four-year-old kid interstellar. Can't show a 10-year-old kid interstellar. They have no idea, but she's 12 now and she's maturing fast. So I wanted to show her this movie because at essence, in the essence of this movie, it appears as if it's just a movie about space. But if you ripped all the stuff about space, if you take all that stuff out of the movie, at its core, Interstellar is a movie about a father and a daughter. It's about a father who would do anything to save his child. It's about a father who has to choose between watching his children grow up on a planet that is dying or leaving them to save them. At its core, this is a movie about a parent and a child and the things that a parent will do to be a blessing to their child. So I love that, I love, like every time I watch it, man, I get tears in my eyes. My wife's like, again? <laughs> I love this movie, man. And at one point in this movie, after Coop, which is Matthew McConaughey, after Coop leaves the Earth, we, we, we kind of get an, an understanding of astrophysics, and, and they have to travel through a wormhole to reach uh, another galaxy, because the wormhole is like a shortcut. I'm not going to over-explain this, because it doesn't matter what I say. Some people still won't get it. But they take a shortcut to another galaxy. The issue with them taking a shortcut to another galaxy and the reason they're doing it is they're trying to find another planet to inhabit because the Earth is literally dying. So what we find is that when you travel to another galaxy, there's all kinds of theoretical science to back this up, that there's a time shift. And the closer you are to a black hole, the time literally begins to slow down for you, but it speeds up for everyone else. Um, and there's a, there's a saying in this movie that you hear a lot, that time is relative. So when Coop travels through the wormhole and he goes to a planet, he gets down on one of these planets and they spend a half an hour at this planet, but literally the half an hour that they spend on this planet is like seven years on Earth. So you, now you understand why it's such a difficult decision. Because he tells his daughter that before he leaves, we may be the same age. You'll be the age that I was when I left by the time I get back. He literally has to miss her entire childhood, but he has to do it because if he doesn't do it, she's going to die on that planet. So he's like, I have to sacrifice seeing my child grow up to save my child. At one point, Coop realizes that this mission is going to fail no matter what he does. 
and they are tricked to go into this other planet by an astronaut who had gone to a planet before them. And he says, this is a safe planet. We can make a whole new colony here. But he lies to them because he's so alone on the planet that he just wants somebody to come and rescue him. Long and short of the story, this astronaut, Matt Damon, is the one that is the one that has lured them to come to, to his planet. He steals one of their spaceships and he goes into the atmosphere to dock with their big space station. That's how they're traveling through wormholes. And he believes that he can dock his small ship onto their space station. But Coop knows that he does not have access. So if he goes to attach himself to the ship, literally the piece of the ship will blow up. So Coop and Anne Hathaway, that's his partner, they chase him and they have a robot called TARS. It's a sci-fi thing. They chase him, trying to stop him, because they say, man, you're going to kill yourself, and you're going to mess up the ship, and none of us will be able to get home. He, he, go he goes to the ship, Matt Damon. He tries to attach to the ship. Piece of the ship blows up. He dies. Coop has to make a decision. And this is my favorite part of the entire movie, because he sees the space station just floating away out into the depths of space. He has this little pod, and he knows that I don't get to this space station. I'm never going to see my child again, and the world is doomed. And then he says the greatest line of all time, but instead of me trying to act out the line because I'm not a good actor, I want you to just see it. I just gave you the context. Go. What are you doing? Knocking. Rotation is 67, 68 RPM. Okay, get ready to match our spin with the retro thrusters. It's not possible. No, it's necessary. I get chills, man. Every time I see it. Like, you gonna take advice from a robot? It's not possible. I love the, the look of intent and determination in Matthew McConaughey's eyes as he sees that space station spinning out of control. Tars, it's not possible. I hate people like that. You determined to do something. It's not possible. He says, no, it's necessary. It's necessary. If I don't do this, I'll never get back to my daughter. If I don't, I don't care what odds you give me. It has to be done. It's necessary. Have you ever faced an impossible situation? Time and time again, I faced circumstances in my life and people would tell me, that's not possible. My response to that is, no, it's necessary. Do you think this church would be here if I listened to all the people that told me it was not possible? You can't build a big church in Miramar. Don't nobody want that. No, it's necessary. Let me ask you a question, ladies and gentlemen. All the stuff that people say is impossible. What if God was just waiting on you because he knew that you were the one that wasn't going to give up? What if he was just looking for somebody with determination 
What if he was looking for somebody that just wouldn't throw in the towel? He never promised it would be easy, but he did just say, keep going. Don't get, that's why I says, don't get weary in doing good for a due season. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. The only thing that is different between winners and losers is losers stop trying. You got to have a determination in you. Literally, God, he gave you breath and he gave you life because he knew that you would be the only you to ever exist and the world is literally waiting on you to do something. It's been impossible before you, but now there's you. It's been impossible. See, people call a mission impossible because it's impossible for them, not you. You were made for it. Don't tell me it's not possible for you to pray and get into your word every single day. No, it's necessary. Don't tell me it's not possible for you to figure out your purpose. No, it's necessary. Don't tell me it's not possible for you to fix your marriage that you think is long gone. No, it's necessary. Care how crazy they acted care what's going on, who God has joined together, let no man tear asunder. If you want your marriage, fight for your marriage. It's necessary. Don't tell me it's impossible for you to be generous with your time, talent, and treasure. No, it's necessary to build God's kingdom. Don't tell me it's not possible for your children to follow Jesus. It's necessary. Pastor, you don't know my kids. You know what? God made those kids, and he made those kids for him, not for the world. Stop giving up on your children. It is necessary. This is why we have our youth up front. This is why anywhere between 50 and 100 kids every week that our teenagers are having their own service because we understand the necessity of their salvation. Don't tell me it's not. Pastor, they only into their phone. I don't care. It's necessary that they're into Jesus. Don't tell me it's not possible to build a world-changing church in Miramar. It's necessary. Not going to listen to every no that I get every single day of my life because it's necessary. How do I know you're here? If it wasn't necessary, you wouldn't be here. But God was waiting for somebody that would not give up. God was waiting for somebody that would build a community. God was waiting for somebody that built a family. God was waiting for somebody that would keep on pressing and taking territory that the devil has tried to keep for himself. You don't tell me it's not possible. It's necessary. Don't tell me it's not possible for a million families to be saved for the cause of Christ. I didn't say a million people. I said a million families. Every family has an average of 3.14 people. That's 3.14 million people. I believe that this church will impact in the next 20 years. Don't tell me it's not possible. Families need Jesus. It's necessary. Don't tell me. Don't tell me it's not possible. It's necessary. There is no mission that is impossible if God wants to use you to accomplish it. Church needs to get some grit, some intestinal fortitude. Act like 
adults, be warriors, go and conquer new territories. Church cannot be us for and no more because we're comfortable. What's killing the church is comfort. The church needs to be more about confrontation than comfort and not confronting each other, but confronting the enemy at every single step with every single place in every single territory. Why? Because it's necessary. COVID made the church very comfortable. There's people I haven't seen in two years. Newsflash, they ain't coming back. I'm not worried about what is behind. I am pressing on towards the goal. I'm keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus. I get excited because I look around and I see people I don't know. New people I've never ever seen before because I realize that the kingdom must advance. And guess what? The moment I get tired, God's going to use somebody else to advance it beyond where I can take it because God has an agenda. Why are you so fired up today, Pastor? Because Easter ain't it. Only had 2,000 people in the building. So, that's the past. Who's getting saved today? I'll just show up online this week because he's yelling a lot. So I'll come back next week when he's nicer. You ain't get saved by an online God. You got saved by an on-time God. I love you if you're watching online. And the reason we do that is for people that are all over the world, people that are all over the world that watch this. But if you live here and you ain't got no health conditions, get your behind into God's house. You're going to sit on your couch forever? Like eventually you got to move forward. I'm watching the playoffs. We can get 100,000 people to an arena, but we can't get 600 to church. We, we are worshiping the God of Miami Heat, but we can't worship the one that created the heat and created the sun and the moon and the stars and everything else. We can't gather to lift him up. The kingdom is expanding daily. And God is looking for people that are ready to accomplish what's necessary. And I love, I love God's design for each and every one of us because there's such a specificity to it. Like literally, you were born to solve a problem in this world. You were born for it. I love what the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork or his workmanship. Some translations say his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He didn't design you and say, good luck. He designed you with a plan. He designed you with a purpose in mind. God's specificity is, is, is so on another level that everyone that he makes, he has a perfect purpose for every area and aspect of their entire life. I, I believe that God is so specific with how he creates his children. Look at Lazarus. We always read about, oh, Lazarus, the guy that got, got raised from, from death to life. Lazarus's life was so important that there was even divine design in his death. 
to how do you know? Two points and we're done. I promise. The first one is this. Jesus allows the impossible. Jesus allows the impossible. Look at John eleven fourteen through 15. It says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples after he got the word that Lazarus was, was, was not doing well. Lazarus was sick. He literally waits two more days and then he gets the word that Lazarus is dead. So the Bible says, he then told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. I love this because Jesus could have saved Lazarus from death, but death was an important season in Lazarus's life. How are you calling death a season? Death is final. No, death is not final. What did Jesus say? This sickness will not end in death. He didn't say he would not die. He just said it wouldn't end that way. Death was a season for Lazarus. How do you know he could have said? Of course he could have said. He didn't even have to go to Lazarus. He could have spoke out his word and saved him. He could have just said it. Lazarus, come forth. He didn't have to do all the, all the dramatics, rolling the stone away and calling him out the grave. He could have just said, all right, go home. He's healed. He didn't do that. Not only does he not go, he does not perform the miracle in the moment. He allows Lazarus to go through a season of death. Lazarus, part of his divine design was even in his death, and Lazarus had to die, and Jesus allows it to happen. He could have went. He could have spoke the word. He refrains. Lazarus has a death season. Lazarus had to die. Jesus allows it to happen. Ask yourself, what is God allowing to die in you this season? What's God allowing to die in you? What if the only way for your lies to die is for Jesus to allow you to get caught so only he can bring you back after the truth comes out? <laughs> what if the only way for lust to die is for Jesus to allow it to expose you so that only he can bring you back after it has embarrassed you? Something's got to die. What if the only way for anger to die is for Jesus to allow it to backfire on you so that only he can save you after it nearly kills you? What if the only way for pride to die is for Jesus to allow it to consume you so only he can bring you back after it has humbled you? Jesus says, for your sake, I am glad I was not there. I am glad so that you may believe Jesus is not callous. Jesus is not mean. Jesus does not want one of his little ones to perish. He is the God that tells us blessed are those who mourn. He is the God that literally weeps with us and mourns with us. So why would Jesus say for your sake, I am glad I was not there? When he says it, he also gives the answer for it. I was glad I was not there so that you may believe. Jesus does not take pride in your downfall, but he allows the impossible to happen in our lives to build our faith. So you may believe. You see, don't be surprised and just 
I, I know people going through a lot of different seasons right now. I, it's people on our team just going through the craziest things. Miss Padrica, uh, 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 Betty, uh, Betty, wherever you at right now, Father God, I just pray right now for Betty, her entire family, all, all the mourning, all the pain that's going on. I pray in the mighty, uh, matchless name of Jesus that you will be peace that passes all understanding to her in this situation. I pray that she hears this message, God, and she understands that this is for her in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't be surprised if God allows the impossible to go on in your life longer than it should. Look at what he did with Lazarus. He knew that Lazarus was going to die before he died. He got word two days before he actually passed, and he doesn't go to him. He waits. I'm going to let this go on a little longer. By the time Lazarus dies, and by the time he gets to where Lazarus is, it has been four days. Some of y'all are mad that God is allowing a situation to go on for a long time. I'm just telling you with the God I serve, don't be surprised if you're going through something longer than you think you should be going through it. He can save you, but he's allowing something. He's allowing something. Like, I, 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 I love this because Jesus, man, he, look what happens in John eleven thirty nine. 39. Look at this. He allows this thing to go on. And he finally gets to the tomb after Mary and Martha say, Jesus, you should have been here. You should have been here. He weeps because he sees that the wages of sin is death. We all have to physically die one day because the wages of sin. But thank God that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. But we all got to go through a death season before we can get back to a life season. Right? And look what happens in John eleven thirty nine. 39. He rolls up to the joint four days later. Take the stone away, he said. Here go, here go Martha. But Lord, said Martha. Why she sound like that? The sister of the dead man. By this time, I love it because the author said the sister of a, of a dead man. Like there is no life in the description of Lazarus. He is clearly dead. Sister of a dead man. By this time, this is what she said. Oh, let me say it back in her voice. But Jesus... By this time, there's a bad odor. He stank. He'd been in there for four days. He has been in there for four days. There's a bad... Jesus... You believe Jesus is the Messiah. You believe he's King Kings and Lord Lords, and the only thing you can make commentary about is the odor from the dead body? What do you think he's there for? What do you think he's there for? Look at this. Four days is important. I'm going to tell you why. Four days on a decomposing body, rigor mortis sets in. Rigor mortis is when your, your joints and your, your muscles and your tendons, they stiffen and they, they harden, right? So you cannot move body parts after a certain amount of, of time because rigor mortis sets in. Not only that, by the third and the fourth day, your intestines begin to liquefy in your body. Because they liquefy in your body, this is where the putrid smells of death come from. It is decomposing internal organs that are liquefied that now are emitting a foul smell. Most people will tell you in the field that this happens around the third or the fourth day. So, 
I love this because this miracle is not just a miracle of resurrection. It's actually a miracle of time. So what are you talking about? Jesus has to reverse the effects of time on the body before he can bring the man back to life. If Jesus does not reverse the effects of time on the body, he could have brought Lazarus back to life, but he literally would have been a zombie. Liquefied intestines, a body with rigor mortis. He, he would have came out all stiff. He would have came out all hard. Jesus says, before I resurrect him, let me reverse the effects of time on his four-day-old dead body first. This is not just a miracle of resurrection. This is a miracle of time. And I need somebody to hear what I just described to you and understand that I don't care how long your life is a mess. I don't care how long you have felt dead. I don't care how long you have been abused. I don't care how long you have felt hurt. I don't care how long you have felt alone. I don't care how long you have felt depressed Jesus can turn back the hands of time on your situation and redeem all that you have lost because he is not just a resurrecting God he is the God of time and he will redeem everything you lost if you believe in them say amen, amen. my God commands time I live in it he lives outside of it and he can allow something to go on for longer than I want it to go along. But guess what? He is the same God that can give me everything back that I lost in that time. This is the God that commands. Like, who do you think God is? Resurre res resurrection ain't even the only miracle he can do. It's nice, but we serve the God that commands time. I love this because... The fourth day has, a, has another significance as you, as you really read about this and study this. You have to understand, we read this story and, you know, when you're a kid growing up in kids' church, you talk about, oh, God, uh, raised, uh, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And usually you see pictures of Lazarus coming out, he looked like a mummy. This is not the first time that Jesus raises somebody in the uh, from the dead in the Bible. He does it a couple other times that we actually know about. He does this... Um, in, let me see, he does this with the widow of Nain. She had a son that passes away in Luke 7, and Jesus brings the young boy back to life. And then we know about Jairus' daughter. He was a prominent man in Matthew chapter 9. Jairus' daughter dies. Jesus comes on the scene and brings her back to life. What is different about Lazarus than Jairus' daughter and the widow of Nain's son. Well, with the widow of Nain's son and Jairus' daughter, when they died, immediately Jesus was already on the scene. And people had reported to him, hey, so-and-so's son just died, or so-and-so's daughter just died. And he goes there, and they have not buried these children yet. They, not only have they not buried them, their death is fresh. So, it would be easy for somebody that wanted to discount the miracle working power of Jesus to say, oh, they weren't really dead. They were just in a coma. They were just in a sedated state. 
He's not really the miracle. Oh, that, 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 that's all smoke and mirrors. He's not real. They just got healed, but, but they, weren't, they weren't actually dead because they had been healed instantly. But Lazarus is different. Lazarus, his body has already gone through the decomposition process. He has had time for people to mourn him. He has already been buried. He's in a tomb. They have now rolled a stone in front of this tomb. And he's in there for four, four days. Four day. He's in there so long, the Bible tells us that his body is decomposing by telling us about the odor. And not only that, let's just say, I love Jesus. He's like, for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Jesus is so petty. He's like, I'm going to make sure nobody can discount this miracle. I'm going I'm I'm to I'm let him start stinking. I'm going to let it get so stank. Because I, 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 I need them to know who I really am. Here's the other thing. Like four days is important. If you're locked in a tomb, if you're locked anywhere for four days, first of all, you die after three without water. Like, so even if they buried Lazarus alive, there's no way by the fourth day he would still be alive. He'd be dead. And Jesus, I love him because he's like, I want to make sure. Because I know when I do this, the haters going to come out. I, I want to make sure he's dead. I want him to be dead, dead. I want him to be so dead that, that, that people are disgusted by his odor. I want him to be so dead people are, are begging me to come and fix it. I want him to be dead because I don't want anybody to discount what I am, who I am, and what I can do. Jesus, knowing this, he waits for certain Death. So why does Jesus allow this situation to go to places that are impossible? See, by this time, you can't say he's in a coma. By this time, you can't say, oh, he just needs to be revived. This situation now is literally an impossible situation. See, Mary and Martha called him when he was sick. They didn't call him after he was dead because they believe they're... Their faith wasn't there. They, they, they believed Jesus could heal the sick. They did not believe he could raise. And I know that to be true because they would never make a statement like, if you had been here. They should have just been thankful when he showed up. I don't care what the situation is. He dead, dead, but you bring life. That's not what they said. They were weeping. They were mourning. If you would have been here, Jesus allows Lazarus' situation to become impossible so he cannot be robbed of his glory. Let me tell you about my God. He is a jealous God. And we need to stop giving credit to other things when God is the one that is working the miracle. No, it's not because you worked hard. It's just because God has favored you. No, you're not that good. No, you're not that impressive. God loves you. He is blessing you. He is opening up doors for you. Stop taking credit for things that God is doing. Don't be surprised if God puts you in an impossible possible situation just so you can't steal the glory from him and anybody that sees your life can't give you the glory for something that God is doing himself. If you believe it, say amen.
We need impossible situations to point us back to the only one that could perform a miracle. For there would be no need for a miracle if there was no impossible. You wouldn't pray for a miracle if you could figure it out yourself. But when God figures it out, don't, don't rob him. Some of you want, like, huh? well, I got to keep sitting in this guy when this death season going in until nobody could take credit for my miracle. God's going to put you in a situation. He's going to wait so nobody could steal his glory. But finally, Jesus doesn't just allow the impossible, but let me tell you why he allows the impossible. Because the impossible is necessary. The impossible is necessary. Why, when I read this, I always say if you want the greatest revelation from God's word, you got to ask the right questions. So I'm constantly reading God's word, and I've preached this story before, but I've never preached it this way because when I approached it this time, I asked different questions, and I would challenge you to do that with your word every day. Don't just take my word for it. You should go home, read this story again for yourself, and say, God, show me something new. I read my Bible a hundred times. Every time I read it, doesn't matter what passage it is, I'm like, God, show me something new today. I want daily bread. I don't want to talk about it the same way I talked about it last year. Show me something new. And the practical tip I can give you is ask the right questions when you read your word. And as I began to think about this whole thing about impossible being necessary, I asked myself this, why was Lazarus's life so necessary that he was brought back to life? Even better question. Ask yourself this, how important do you have to be to live twice? I never had that thought before as I was reading. How important do you have to be for Jesus to bring you back from certain death and continue to live a whole nother life? Because here's the truth. There's nothing alive that doesn't have a purpose. Should have got a harder amen from that. Because if you're living and breathing in this room, I'm here to tell you God still has something left for you to do. There is, there is nothing on this planet, not a tree, not a roach, that does not have a purpose. I don't know what the purpose is. I'm going to ask God, what was the purpose of roaches, God? I'm going to ask him one day. But if they're alive, they're fulfilling something. I don't want them in my house. You go do God's work elsewhere. But there is nothing alive that does not have a purpose. It saddens me when I see people on the brink of taking their life because they think they have nothing left to do. Where there is life, there is hope. If you got breath in your lungs, I don't know. I gotta calm down as I say this because I don't want my passion to come out so aggressive. If you came into this place today and you feel like you shouldn't be alive anymore. I'm telling you, that's a lie from the devil. 
where there's life, there is hope. If God woke you up today, it's because there's something he created you to do that nobody else on this planet could do. But the enemy wants you to feel worthless because he has no worth. So he wants to rob you of yours. I'm here to tell you today, somebody, I don't know who, or maybe you're online, God loves you. You're special. You're beautiful. You know what I mean? Don't look in the mirror and be disgusted. Look in the mirror and say, man, God, you ain't make anybody else like me. And I'm thankful. Thank you for my hair or the lack thereof. Nobody like, hey, thank you, God. At least my hair shaped nice. I, I ain't got skills. No, you just haven't tapped into your God potential yet. Like we're all creative aspects of a creator God. There is something I can learn about God from everyone in this room, everyone watching online, every human that has ever existed has characteristics of God. The issue is we don't show the God in us to everyone. I want to know you because I want to learn about who made me. And there's something I can learn from each and every one of you. You have a purpose. You don't just have potential. You have God in you. And it's something that the world needs to see. Where there's life, there's hope. Don't give up. Talk to somebody. Man, listen. I pray you never come into this house and feel like you can't talk to somebody. I pray that everybody in this place is open enough and warm enough. I pray, my prayer for you today is if you walked in here and you felt alone, before you leave, somebody will come up to you and say hello. And somebody will ask you how you're doing. And it's not just, it's not just something that they say in passing. They'll stand there long enough to actually know how you're doing. That's my, that's my prayer for, I don't know who that's for, but it's just way heavily open. Don't come here and feel alone, man. Oh, I said I wasn't gonna do this. If you come here and feel alone, we didn't do our job. You got life today, man. You got hope. Where there's life, there's hope. God, help me get through this message. Jesus, he performs the impossible and he brings a man back to life. You know the story. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He comes out of the tomb. He says, take the grave clothes off of him. They take the grave clothes off and he goes and he lives again. But I love this because nobody can take God's glory away. Like everybody sees it. This is not one of those miracles where Jesus is like, don't tell nobody. Everybody sees this. And I want to put this in context for you. This is before Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And, and we celebrate that on Palm Sunday when they say, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. The reason that, that so many people were, were even there is because of this miracle. They saw a man raise a man back from the dead that was dead 
for four days. And when enough people start talking about this miracle, I mean, this thing takes the city by storm. But it's not just people that want to cheer Jesus that hear about the miracle. It's people that want to kill Jesus that hear about this miracle. The haters are up in arms because Jesus brought a man that was dead for four days back to life. And John 11, 45 through 53, they tell us what happens when the haters hear about the miracle. The Bible says, therefore many of the Jews had come to visit Mary and had seen, I love that, what Jesus did, they believed in him. They saw the miracle, he is who he said he is. He is the Messiah. He is the King. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. They, they, weren't, they, they, they weren't trying to like tell them so they could get mad. Like, man, when God does a miracle, don't you just want to tell everybody? Let me tell you something. Everybody's not going to be happy about your miracle. says, verse 47, then the chief of priests, excuse me, verse 46, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief of priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we, what are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is a man, here, here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. They were power hungry. They were priests. They didn't want to care. They didn't care about the people. They cared about the power. The Romans will take it away from us. Verse 49. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, spoke up. He said, you know nothing at all. Verse 50. Oh my gosh. Underline this. This is crazy. Don't you love when God like uses your haters to say things that are for you and they don't even realize that they're doing it? Verse 50, you do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people then that the whole nation perish. I love why John comments on this. He says in verse 51, he did not say this on his own. I wonder what made him say it. Sounds like the Holy Spirit to me. But as the high priest that year, he had prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. Verse 53 is what I need you to hear. So, from that day on, they plotted to take his life. From that day on, they plotted to take his life. You see, the Pharisees may have been jealous of Jesus before, but it's not until he brings a man back from the dead after the fourth day that they make the ultimate decision to kill Jesus. 
See, I don't think some of y'all are tracking with me. They hated on Jesus before. They were jealous of Jesus before. But they had a meeting after he raised a man that was being dead for four days. And they said, we cannot allow this man to live any longer. And they said, from that day on, not before that day, from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Why is it important that they plotted to take Jesus' life that day? Because it teaches us why Jesus got close to Lazarus. Lazarus had to live in order for Jesus to die so that we might live through him. Why did he get a second chance? He had to live because his resurrection inspired the crucifixion. Joel, I don't think they're hearing me, man. Why would God allow a man to live again? Because his life was the inspiration for death that gives us all life. resurrection was so necessary it caused the most jealous Pharisee Caiaphas to prophesy about the very purpose of Jesus Christ on this earth look at John eleven fifty. you do not realize that it is better for you that what is it's better for you if one man die. It's better for you if one man die. It's better for you if one man die. It's better for me. It's better for all of us if one man die. Then a whole nation perish. No, it's better that one man die so that nations won't perish. Many nations, many people, many cultures, many colors, many creeds. It was better that one man die we all perish in his anger about Lazarus's life he prophesied that people would have eternal life through the death of Jesus Christ Jew Gentile and everybody in between will be reconciled through this death the miracle of Lazarus's second life was the necessary impossible that makes salvation possible for us all. You ever wonder what happened with Lazarus after he got resurrected? You ever ask yourself? Because we know that his resurrection inspired the death of Jesus, which gives life to us all. But what about, what about after? Because it's not like Jesus died on the cross and then he died right after. That's not true. He continued to live. And many different people have speculated and come up with theories about what happened to Lazarus. Like, if you get another chance at life, what do you do with your second life? Like, what did Lazarus do? 
And you know, in the Eastern Orthodox Church, they believed that when Lazarus was in Judea, he was getting death threats on his life. So he abandons Judea and goes to Cyprus. And Barnabas and the Apostle Paul actually anoint him, they believe this, and make him a bishop over the region. And it says that he won many souls to Christ and he actually died 30 years after and he became a bishop of the region that he was in. There's even another story about Lazarus that says he became a missionary and when he became a missionary, once again, constantly he had death threats on his life and because he continued to pre preach Jesus, they say that Lazarus was in prison, but they didn't even put him in the regular prison. The legend says that they put him in a cave underneath the prison, tortured him, and beheaded him, and he became a martyr for Christ. That's what legend says. Now, none of us were there, and nobody can fully pin it down, so nobody knows the truth to those legends. But the Bible does tell us one clear thing about Lazarus about something that happened after he was brought back from the dead. I love this because the one thing we know about Lazarus after Jesus raised him up and gave him a second life is found in John 12, verses 9 through 11. And it reads, <laughs> this is going to bless somebody's spirit. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there. He went to go see Mary and Martha and Lazarus again, right? Remember I told you he turned into like superstar, like he was on a level of Michael Jackson when he was alive, but beyond that by this point in his ministry, because he raised a man that was dead for four days. And a large crowd of Jews found out Jesus was there and came, listen to this, I love this. This is the only time that like, like you're going to see somebody get just as much shine as Jesus in the Bible. Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus. Who he had raised from the dead. The crowds came in not just to see Jesus. Hey, that dead dude, he was there too. The stank dude, the one that was there for, he there? Jesus had him? It's like, it's like having Michael Jackson and Prince in the same concert. Some of y'all don't get that. Too young. They both there? I want, Jesus there and Lazarus? I got, I got to see this miracle to believe it. I, I, I got to go, I got to go check it out. Verse 10. It's crazy. So the chief of priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. He just got life back from Jesus and just like they plotted to kill Jesus and they did it successfully, they plotted to kill Lazarus because his life was so important that it became a threat to their power. They plotted to kill Lazarus as well, verse 11, for 
I love this. And there's nowhere else in the Bible that it says anything like this that's not about Jesus. It's in context to another person. Verse 11 says, for on account of him, him is Lazarus. Does not say on account of Jesus. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. For on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews, the people that were skeptical, the people that were waiting for a commander or a king instead of a religious figure, many of the people that had doubted Jesus believed because they saw Lazarus. They saw him alive and well. Lazarus becomes a living testimony of the resurrection power of Jesus. And Jesus' popularity skyrockets so much that Lazarus becomes a target of the chief of priests. Why? Because a life that points back to Jesus is always a threat to the enemy. I don't know who needs to hear that, but you're wondering why you're going through so much pain. You're wondering why Jesus has not shown up. You're wondering why you're going through trial and tribulation. You wonder why the haters are coming out of nowhere. You're wondering why your life don't make sense. I can tell you, when you love Jesus and when your life points back to Jesus, you're going to be a threat to the enemy and the enemy will stop at nothing to destroy you. But if God be for you, who could be against you? I don't care how impossible your life situation may be today you can be a threat to the enemy if you too allow Jesus to bring you back to life you say pastor you don't know what I've done it's not possible for me to come back I say no it's necessary it's not possible for me to come back from the abuse no it's necessary it's not possible for me to break the addiction I say no it's necessary it's not possible for me to forgive them for what they have done for me no I'm telling you it's necessary it's not possible that God could love me and forgive me after what I've done I say no it's necessary it's not possible for me to get a another shot at life I'm here to tell you no it's necessary and God loved you so much when your life seemed like it was impossibly over he sent Jesus because he knew that Jesus was necessary in order for you to live because the truth is with God it's not impossible if it's necessary if you believe it say amen doesn't matter what you're going through today. Pastor, you don't know my situation. It's impossible. With God, the word I read tells me nothing is impossible. With God, it's not impossible if it's necessary. And I don't care how impossible your life is been leading up to this point. The reason that somebody's in this room today is because it's necessary. The reason you watch it online today is necessary. I don't know who needs to hear this word, but God wants to give you a second life. He wants to give you a brand new life. And I tell you that a new life in Jesus 
is going to be so much better than the old life you're currently living right now. You know why he's going to give you another shot? It's necessary. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. It's okay. It's not possible that God will give me another shot. It's necessary. How can you preach forgiveness and not understand the necessity for another chance at life? Somebody who has been dead, somebody that's been dead for more than four days, you walking around, you are the walking, talking, living, breathing dead because you live in life without Jesus. God wants to give you another shot at life, not because you deserve it, but because it's necessary. For the Bible I read tells me all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't deserve another shot. But God knew it was necessary because he knew the lives that will be impacted through me. Just like he knew the lives that would be impacted through Lazarus. How many lives does he want to impact through you? Your life is necessary. Don't tell me it's not possible. No, it's necessary. With every head bowed, every eye closed. My call is simple. My call is clear. There's people in this room. Maybe you've accepted Jesus before, but you've been running because you don't believe that he can forgive you for what you've done. You say, it's not possible for him to forgive me. I say, no, you're wrong. It's necessary. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus. And you're like, Pastor, I, like, I've been so far away from God. There's no, there's no way there's a God in heaven that loves me. I say, no, you are wrong. It is necessary for God to love you because God is love. Maybe you made a decision before. Maybe you've never made one. Or maybe you're just unclear about your salvation. The word I read tells me that he will have it so that not one of his little ones should perish. It is necessary. God cannot be loved if he will not give you another chance to love him back. He does it because it's necessary for him to be who he is. And he is love. If you need Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you prayed it before, maybe you never prayed it before, maybe you don't know, but you just want to be sure about your place in heaven today, let me tell you something. You want to be sure about where you are when, when, when that day comes, because it's necessary. I don't want to have a question about if me and Jesus are on the right page. I, I, I don't want to have questions about that. I, 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 I want to know because it's, I want to be sure. I want a blessed assurance because it's necessary. If you need Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you never knew him, or maybe you knew him and you ain't been with him for a long time, today is the day to come home. Why? It's necessary. I'm, uh, if that's you on the count of three, wherever you are, in this room, online, the count of three, I want to answer that call, Pastor. I want Jesus. It's necessary for me. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold it up. High enough and long enough for me to say, hold it up. Don't be scared. I see you and 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 you. If your hand's up, stand up. Don't be scared. Come on. Come on. I said a lot of you so that you know that you are not alone. Come on. Yeah. Some people were already standing before. This one of them churches where we call you down to the front, so don't, don't freak out, but say why? It's necessary. Bible says, if you deny me before man, I will deny you in front of my father. That's what Jesus said. Why I gotta, why I gotta show, see some people already coming. I love it, because it's necessary. 
If you know you need Jesus and it's necessary, come to this altar right now. Come now. Come now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. It's necessary. It's necessary. Everybody standing. Everybody stand. Come. Because it's necessary. Come. Keep clapping. People still coming. Come on. It's necessary. It's all around For the spirit of the Lord is here. This is a family so you never have to do anything alone I, mean, I am proud for the people that said Man I gotta get down there cause it's necessary But like really take honest inventory of your life man I, I get so emotional about salvation because, I, man, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father except through him. You want to live a better life, but, but you won't move from where you are. Like, the gospel requires sacrifice. It requires movement. Like, you're not tired of being in the same place. You're like, I'm not trying to say this to convict you or whatever, but I know there's some people that stay where they are because they're scared. You know what's even scarier? not living to the potential that Christ created you for. That's scary. That's scary. See, I want to live a life that makes me necessary for the kingdom. I just believe that God's going to keep me around longer because I'm here doing his work. I'm necessary. If you're out there, maybe you have some fears, some jitters, your palms sweating, you know you're supposed to be down here. Here's what I want everybody to do. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, just grab them by the hand and walk them down. I just want to make, I just want to make sure. So, I, I just still believe there's somebody that needs to be here because it's necessary. Come on. Come on. Let me see. Let me see. It's all good. I just want to make sure. Five, four, three, two, no shame. One. Good. I just want to make sure everybody going to heaven because I want to see you again. Amen? Reach your hands towards your family. If you're down front, maybe you reach your hands up. You say, why? Bible says, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, he is raised from the dead, you're saved. Confess and believe. If you're online, same goes for you. Because more than your hand, Christ sees your heart. It's necessary for him to forgive you, for him to be who he is. And it's necessary for you to receive forgiveness it's necessary for you to receive forgiveness to live the life that you were called to. I want everybody to pray this prayer after me, whether you're here online. Say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I've, sinned. I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, I'm not proud but, of it. I admit it. but I admit it. Today, Today I, lay my sin down. I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. Take it, I, pray. I, don't I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven, I reach to, heaven to receive your forgiveness. To receive your forgiveness. I take the place of my sin. Of my sin. I, ask I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Your wonderful family. Today, Today, I give my life, give my life completely, life. completely, to, you. completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm so proud of y'all. Keep telling you, Lamont, I got hands, bro. If you made that decision today, I got a little gift for you. It's a Bible in here. There's like a WWJD bracelet and a letter from me and my beautiful wife who helps me co-pastor this beautiful church. And we got a team that wants to give you this. But also, if you need prayer or if you have questions... I hate when people get saved and they got questions and nobody can give them answers. So if you got questions about it, they can answer those questions too. Um, and if we don't know the answer to something, 
man, just give us time. We'll figure it out because <laughs> it's in God's word. That's where all the answers are. Amen. Go. So in a moment, they're going to clap for you louder than they did for the heat when we knocked out the Atlanta Hawks. But louder, like louder. See that sign says, welcome to the family. That's what you are. You got family behind you, surrounding you. We love you. The Bible says when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration of heaven. I can't open up the ceiling and show you. But if you could see what heaven was doing right now, it'll freak you out in the best way. Because they're cheering for you. I can't show you, but I can hear what it sounds like. So on the count of three, they're going to cheer louder for you than any human on the planet. And then you're going to walk that way. They're just going to take you out to the courtyard. They're not getting raptured. They will be out in the courtyard, okay? That's where your family can find you. And they'll have a gift for you. And you can talk to them about anything you want. Y'all ready? So on the count of three, y'all going to walk that way, that way and y'all going to cheer. Here we go. One, two, three. Let them know how much God loves them. Let them know they're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Let them know they're necessary. They're necessary. for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.